um, I had to keep from tearing up watching that video because um, those testimonies come from a lot of hard work from, as you guys saw, a solid group of people um, who stepped up to the call when the flood took place uh, in May. So, uh, My name is Dan Holman. Uh, as I said, I'm a missionary with REACH Global Crisis Response. I have been uh, a part of REACH Global for three years now. Uh, before that, I was a professional photographer for 17 years, felt called to ministry since I was 13, and um, was on staff at a church when Hurricane Harvey hit. And, uh, excuse me, when Hurricane Harvey hit and um, we had already decided uh, two years before Harvey to sell everything we have and move into an RV. Um, and uh, so we packed up everything and we answered the call and joined crisis response. So I have been on the front end of uh, pretty much everything that you've seen happening for the past three years. I drove into Hurricane Florence, was uh, there for Paradise Fire. Uh, Nebraska flooding here, um, a couple others. And I have seen a lot of things that I never thought I would see. And I've seen a lot of devastation. And I've seen a lot of people without hope. Um, But I've also seen God do amazing things. And so I just want to talk with you guys today about um, some verses uh, a heart and a mindset, and hopefully uh, maybe an opportunity you, an opportunity for you to draw a little bit closer to God. So uh, let's pray, and we'll get going. So, uh, Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I, pr- I praise you for uh, getting us up here safely, and um, just ask that you would speak. I know that nothing that I can say. Um, can move in the spirit of man that only your spirit can. And so I ask that you would help us all to be attuned to what you have to say to us. I ask that you would stir and move inside of us um, and that you would be here uh, in this moment. And um, I pray that you give me the words and speak through me. And um, we just praise you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... We are going to cover uh, several verses, but we're going to settle on Romans 15. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there, because we'll be, we'll be hitting there. Um, but I, w- I want to start out by saying that uh, hope uh, is, is something that you see in the world. We have huge sources of hope, right? We have people who um, are, are inspirational who maybe you don't know the Lord, inspirational, motivational. We have communities. Uh, Hope literally means expectation. So you can have an expectation of good based on the things taking place in your life and someone who loves you coming alongside you and caring for you can create an expectation of good, right? And it doesn't have to do anything actually with Jesus, But there's something that we as believers are called to that is so much more than the collective world hope that is out there. Nelson Mandela, who was known for being a man of of, uh, peace in the world, working within that movement, 
said, Our human compassion binds us one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn common suffering into hope for the future. See, he's saying that when a bunch of people get together and help other people, that there is hope, right? Well, then why am I even up here, right? If we don't, if, uh, you know, if we can have hope in the world. But I would say this, that, that as believers, as people who have the Holy Spirit, who have God in relationship with us and God in us, we have access to something so much more than what the world can offer, uh, and so I want to read a couple verses, and then we'll jump into Romans 15, which is a solid call for our society. Psalm 62.5 says, Be still, O my soul, and wait in silence, for my hope is from the Lord. One of my favorite verses. Isaiah 40.31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Romans 15.13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in joy. So we have a God who is called the God of hope. He's a God of encouragement. He's a God of Uh, All kinds of things, but he's also the God of hope. Romans 15, turn with me there. Romans 15, uh, just if if you guys uh, don't know, comes right after 14. Um, And uh, and in 14, uh, it is talking about, and Paul is addressing to the Romans... Uh, their bickerings and their disagreements of what to eat and what day to keep holy, right? You have the Jews and the Gentiles uh, in fellowship together and struggling with um, those different ideals and what they value, and it's creating dissension, and Paul addresses that. And in 15.1, he shows the mindset that we are to have with our brothers. Does this sound familiar in our current times? I mean, we are in a time of huge polarization. Not only have we had COVID, we have politics, we have disasters taking place, we have Black Lives Matter, we have all of these things that seem to me, when I watch the news, to just be exploding. And my natural, my natural inclination is to hole up, to get protective, to stand firm in what I believe in, and, uh, and, you know, take a stand. And then comes Romans 15.1. He says, we who are strong, or in the Greek, we who are able, strong, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That, uh, that failings of the weak, the failings literally means infirmity or 
uh, error arising from uh, the weakness of mind. So me as a doer, when I read this verse initially, my initial reaction is, yeah, uh, I have an obligation, I have a duty to help those people in need, and I'm thinking physically. And because you look at what he's talking about in 14 and 15, he's not talking about physically. He's talking about internally. He's talking about spiritually. He's talking about mentally. We have a duty to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And then he goes on in verse 2 to say, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Man, how different would our society be if we did that? What if in our interactions with our neighbor, we interacted with them for them so that they would come to know Christ, so that they would draw a little bit closer to God? What if our conversations with them was for them? And what if amidst all this polarization, what if we as a body did that with each other? How different would it look? And that is why he actually ties the two together. He starts out addressing these, this, this uh, dissension, these struggles, and goes into uh, talking about neighbors. And the reason that he does it is because the very core of our being as believers is tied to the example of Christ, which he then steps into in verse 3. So let me read verse 2 again. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Why? For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. We have a Lord and Savior who died for the very people that wanted to murder him. The very people that considered him an enemy, he died for. Do you see the heart and the, and the mindset of that? Like, it, it, it's something that I naturally don't do in my own strength and flesh, right? But that is the beauty of being given the Holy Spirit, I think our society, like I was naturally unknowingly raised to take care of me and my family and serve my God in that order. And, and for me, 15, 1 through 3 punches me in the gut. Because I unknowingly and naturally take care of myself first. I'll share with you a joke because jokes are funny. I break it up, right? Uh, so there's a story of a banquet where a tray of asparagus is being passed around. Um, my family likes asparagus, but I don't think a lot of people like asparagus. Um, and when the tray comes to the one woman, she cuts off all the tips and puts, them back on, uh, puts the rest back on the plate and passes the rest to her neighbor and the neighbor angrily said, why would you do such a thing like that? Why do you keep all the tips for yourself and pass the rest on to me? And the woman replied, oh, the tips are the best part. Didn't you know that? 
Right? I got one laugh. That's good. I, I, we do that naturally in our, in our own world, right? We take care of ourselves, and then we take care of our neighbors. And 15 speaks opposite to that. Um, I see this struggle. I see this struggle with uh, church leaders across the U.S., who are trying to figure out how to get their congregation involved in something more than just doing good turns and doing good deeds. Trying to figure out how to get their congregation involved in relational ministry with their neighbors. And they have a hard time doing it. And I think it's because the structure and the context of how we do what we do and why we do what we do all revolves around us. Just sit on that for a second and ask yourself, how much of what I am doing, how much of how I am living is to please myself first and then my neighbor? Okay, let's go to verse 4. Interestingly, I heard a pastor say that this seems to be a change of subject, but I would disagree. And the reason why I would disagree is because I believe that ministering to people in the way that it is talking about is difficult. I know it's difficult for me. My natural inclination when I am uh, in a difficult emotional or spiritual situation is to find something to do. Right? Like, let's just get working with my hands because I don't want to go there. You know? And, and verse 4 speaks, it seems like it shifts, but it actually speaks to the heart of that. And it says, For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together we may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, what he's saying is that we have this God of hope. We have a God of encouragement. And where I struggle and where I feel inadequate, he is so much more than anything I could ever generate. But oftentimes, I am operating in my own strength within this world. I was trying to talk to my wife, because the biggest struggle for me is, how do I communicate to someone, how do I communicate to a congregation how to stop operating in your own strength and let God work through you? Like That's a very complicated thing to try to talk about or explain. And as I was talking about this, I was talking to my wife about uh, struggles of uh, people... Um, trying to figure that out, and she said, uh, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. And so <laughs> I realized <laughs> then probably what I'm going to say from the stage is it doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> but, but here's what I think. We are called to, to operate from an overflow of God, right? That as we're following him, he becomes 
more, we become less, he sanctifies our flesh, we become more like him, and, and that joy and that hope and that life and everything that our heart is longing for, we begin to understand that as we are in relationship with God, right? We begin to understand that as we uh, have patience and are encouraged by the scriptures, and the more time that we spend with him, the more he shines off of our faces to our community, right? And, and, and oftentimes, what happens is that we, I, I, I say we, I'm, I'm saying me, we, right? Not like you, we, I'm saying me, we. Um, we operate uh, in our own self-strength, on the forefront of our mind when we are interacting with the world. This is the part where she said, you're not making any sense. Um, So I don't stop to ask the Lord, what would you have me say? I don't, in this conversation, take a moment to pause and listen to the Holy Spirit to say, how would you have me pray for this person? Where are they at? I... I'm standing there, knowing what I want to say, figuring out what I want to do. I have my own agenda. I have my own purpose. And I have my idea of what it looks like to minister to someone and to love them and to serve them well. And God is a second thought. The more time that you spend with him and the more that you learn to let go and let him the more you see that overflow of hope and that peace and that love have nothing to do with you, but in everything, praise God. And these people come to know something so much more than a collective hope or peace that's generated from the world. That's what I love about what it says here in 13. I read it with the group of verses, but look at 15, 13. I skipped over some of this stuff of time but look at 1513 it says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that the power of the holy spirit may abound in hope that's what i'm talking about and the way that that it happens in your life is by a moment by moment dependence on him by actually Resting in the Lord and letting Him lead and guide. When when we go out, I, I've I've seen um, I've seen a lot of a lot of people who don't know the Lord in tough times, and there are times where we go out and I do not feel like I am overflowing with hope. Right? <laughs> I really sometimes don't want to be there because. I had a bad day the day before, I'm exhausted, maybe I've you know, been working too hard or I'm sleeping on the floor uh, because I'm in a crisis situation and there's no beds available and the guy who has the bed is the older gentleman who snores all night long. You know, I don't feel like I'm abounding in hope. Um, but what I see over and over again is that because of my relationship with God and because of who I know and the time that I have spent with him, 
I see people who know nothing about him who are missing that relationship see something more than what they have. And they're asking and they're wondering, why are you doing what you're doing? You heard Rachel testify that on the video. Why are you doing what you're doing? How could you be here helping me? I don't understand. We have one homeowner who said, you have something that I don't have and I don't know how to get it. And we've shared the gospel with him, like flat out shared the gospel with him like five times, I don't know. And, and, and it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that he would come to know the Lord in the way that I know the Lord and that he would experience the power of the Holy Spirit in his life and that he would shout from the rooftops Jesus' name, right? That's my prayer for him. Is that your prayer for your neighbors? Or are you living in good Christian morals and principles and trying to be a good person so that maybe somehow your neighbor will come to know Jesus? Like, what's not being said here in verse 15, but it's being said here in verse 15 is, look at this, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. In order to bear with the failings of the weak, you have to spend time with them. And we live in a society where time is allotted to everything, and we, we don't have the time to do the very thing that we have the duty to do. We have to spend time with them. We have to be in relationship with them. We have to be able to w be willing to have the tough conversations. And that is when we see God move. Jesus didn't decide to come at a time where we are online where maybe uh, in the future we don't have to interact with each other at all. We just like press something on the side of our head and we can, you know, virtually see everyone. Jesus came at a time where he had to walk to his locations, where he had to physically interact with people over and over and over and over again. And he spent time with only the people that loved him. No, that's not true. <laughs> He spent time with the very weak people because that's what love is and that's who he came to save. He came to save us who need him. And we, because of that, have a duty, we have an obligation to do the very same thing. And when we do that, we grow in the Lord and we experience God in a way that we never experienced him before, even as believers, because we're joining with Christ and doing the very thing that he has called us to do. We are walking in the very footsteps of what Christ showed us to do on the earth. And in that then, what do we look like? We look like missionaries. I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary here in the United States, and all I do is help people connect with other people and give opportunities, use construction, use whatever it is that's needed as a way for people to develop relationships with their neighbor and love their neighbor as themselves so that that neighbor can come to know something more than what, what they know, come to know God in a way 
that their heart is longing for and crying out for, but they just don't know how. So, you guys have it being handed to you on a silver platter right now. You have a beautiful opportunity because in crisis response, we say that crisis is an opportunity for the gospel. Most people, um, when crisis takes place, they take care of themselves, they take care of their neighbor, and they meet the physical needs. But this is also a time where the things that people the things in people's lives that created stability, the things that made them uh, uh, feel at peace have now been pulled away. And they are questioning God. They are questioning where they're at. They're questioning themselves. And they are struggling relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. And this is the perfect time to live and share the gospel. But the only way that's going to happen is if you actually spend time with them. And so I want to challenge you guys on that. I want you to go home and really ask yourselves, if, like, what, what is Romans 15 to you? And I want to say this. If, if this God, uh, this, this God who is above all of us, who could literally overflow, pour out of us, and, and fill us with a hope and a joy and a peace that we could never understand on our own. If you don't know this God, whether you're here or you're online, if your heart, if the Spirit is moving in you and your heart is, is wanting a relationship with Jesus, this is your opportunity. I can't, nothing I can say can move in that way. That is literally the Lord moving in you right now, saying, come to me, I have redeemed you. And I would invite you to step into that. I'm going to pray right now. And uh, if, if you feel the Spirit moving in that way, if you already know Jesus, pray for those people out there who may actually be be wanting to know him right now and wanting to give their lives to him. If you don't know Jesus, pray with me right now. Let's pray. Uh, repeat after me, whether you're at home or you're here. You don't have to say it out loud. You can even say it in your heart, but, but uh, repeat after me. Lord, I give my life to you. I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I am nothing without you. Please give me your spirit. Please give me life. And I long to be with you for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have done that, um, share it with someone. You can come talk to me, Tom, uh, after the service. If you're online and you know someone who's a believer, call them up, get connected, join in fellowship. If you um, have been convicted, if the Spirit has actually been moving in you and speaking to you uh, through whatever's been said here, don't shy away from it. And walk into it. We have a beautiful opportunity in this time of struggle to love and to walk in hope.
And this is the time for the church to rise up. And this is the time for Jesus to be glorified. And for those people who are really struggling to find something more than anything that they can generate themselves or anything that the world can create. Dive into the scriptures because you have a source of encouragement that God speaks through. The God of hope and encouragement speaks through the scriptures. Spend time with them and pray with them. And then step into the opportunities that you have, like what we're doing uh, after the service uh, this afternoon, um, Love Local. Step into it. Love your neighbor and see the opportunity that you have laid before you right now. Thank you.